Well, good morning and happy Thanksgiving. My name is Elisha Garcia. I am the student director here at Life Church. I trust that everybody is a few pounds heavier and that the tryptophan is just finally starting to wear off. I know this morning it was still kind of in my system. I woke up, it was dark outside, rainy. Just wanted to put the covers back on and go to sleep. But I had to be here with you people, so here we are. No, but uh, I hope that, uh, that your Thanksgiving was great. I actually uh, went down, saw some family, uh, spent some time with them down in Texas in Austin. It was about uh, 65 degrees and warm. I was in shorts and a cutoff t-shirt. These, these people, this is actually their winter, so uh, they thought I was crazy, and I come home, and now it's 30 degrees and rainy. I don't know what happened while I was gone, but appreciate whatever happened. I came home to this. But uh, this morning, if you would open up your Bibles and turn with me to... Um, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, we're going to dive in here uh, this morning. Um, but I just, I, I want to throw something out, an idea just to kind of preview what we're talking about, uh, kind of set it up for you this morning. But this idea of cause and effect. Now, uh, while I was on vacation, my, uh, my girlfriend's mother, who uh, is a wonderful cook, she's a Hispanic woman, um, if she had a spiritual or if spiritual giftings uh, were this, hers would be cooking. She does things with um, food that it's godly. Let me just tell you that way. It is incredible. Um, and and she, she makes just this, this wonderful food. And, and you guys kind of all know the cause and effect as you ingest um, a, a lot of Mexican food. Well, that was kind of the case there this weekend. I was there and I, I ingested quite a bit of, of uh, this Mexican food. She, she fed me. She said that I needed to gain weight, and so I just, I kept eating, and um, it, you know the cause and effect there, but this morning, we're, we're, that, that's kind of the idea, is, is, is cause and effect um, in, in our spiritual lives, and, and you know if you're business owners, or if you're in the business world, or even the, the science community, that this idea of, of cause and effect is actually present. The idea of uh, an event happening, and then the result of that event, so kind of that, that cause, of a, uh, cause and effect, but that, that same principle holds truth in our relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. There is kind of this uh, ebb and flow, this give and take, this uh, when you do something, there is a result of something else happening. But uh, I, wanna, I wanna put a little bit of a spin on that this morning, and, and I actually need your help. Uh, there's some students in the room, and they kinda know how this goes, but uh, help me out, students, this morning. The parents may not know, but uh, crowd participation, this is what I need. I need you to repeat after me. Say, God's effect is greater than my cause. Come on, students, help them out. Say, God's effect, God's effect is, greater is greater than my cause. All right, let's start reading. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. It says this, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left. That's a lot of crying. David's two wives had been captured. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his uh, sons and his daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. 
Now, I'm just going to level with you. If you haven't found this out already, in your relationship with God, in this thing that you and I are doing, in our life, there are going to be problems. And uh, again, if you have not found that out, just hold on. It's on its way. Not to bring, you know, gloom and doom your way in this great holiday season, but let me just tell you, let me just be honest. Uh, There will be problems. There will be situations and circumstances that you and I will go through where we will encounter a problem. And just to give you a little background in this story, this is actually a dark time in David's life. You guys all know the, the, the kind of the victorious poster child for Christianity, David and Goliath. But this was a, this was a dark time in David's life. Uh, back before this, uh, David was actually being hunted uh, by King Saul. And so he was actually driven from his own homeland to take refuge in, in the land of, of who he once called his enemy. It's pretty crazy. And here you see that he actually resides in this city called Ziklag. Well, while he was taking refuge with his enemies, he had actually began to uh, gain favor uh, with his enemy. He actually fought his people and, and, and the enemy began to, to find favor with him and so gave him this parcel of land called Ziklag and, and gave him herds and, and men to, uh, to kind of um, uh, to lead there and... and but here we find David, and here he is in Ziklag. And David had actually made his way uh, towards uh, the battlefield just a chapter prior to this. So David shows up with his 600 men, and he's ready to, to go into battle to fight the very people um, that he was being hunted by, the king, Saul. And, and so here he is. David arrives at the battlefield, and they tell him to go home. Now, now, I'm sure if we were David, we're, we're probably looking around going, okay, uh, not only am I here and I've done good things for you, not only am I fighting for what I once called the enemy, not, not only have you found favor with me, but I show up to the battlefield, I've got all these men behind me, and, and you're going to tell me to go home? So he packs up his camel or his horse or whatever they rode back in the day, and he goes back to Ziglag, and he, he shows up to his house, and he finds that it's been burned, and his wife and his sons and his daughters of all of his men have been carried away. You think you've had a bad day. This guy has just had one of the worst days. And inside of that, all of his men want to turn on him and stone him. Dude, this is a bad day. Let me just tell you. But you and I, man, we know what bad days look like. We know what it's like to go through hardship and trial. We know what it's like to go through circumstance. It's going to happen. There on the back side of your bulletin, you see the first little fill-in. I want you to understand that in this process of, of uh, kind of cause and effect, there will always be a persisting problem. Now, it might not be the same problem. It, it might not be the same circumstance that creeps in or, or that you're struggling with or that you're going through. But understand, as a Christ follower, there will always be something that comes into your life that will separate you from the place that God wants you to be. You go, well, why is that? I thought that once I signed up for this whole Christ thing that everything was just gonna be honky-dory and rainbows and bunnies and I was just, there was gonna be prosperity and blessing coming my way. Dude, I don't know who told you that, but that's wrong. <laughs> Pick up this book once or twice. In fact, it turns out that the most faithful people had some of the worst days. Not to you know, turn you off of, of getting closer to God, but <laughs> let me just tell you, these guys had some bad days. You see David, uh, who again is this poster child of just being, you know, a, a great individual, uh, 
the Bible describes a man after God's own heart, he had some bad days. Understand, there will be a persisting problem, something in your life. Maybe some of you are going through it right now. The holiday season, man, I know that it can be as stressful as it can be uh, a blessing. Uh, some of you got in-laws and you got family coming in and for you, you're just going, oh, God grant me the strength just to get through. Dude, I know how that is. I've got some family that, we'll just leave it at that because they're probably going to watch this on the web, but... <laughs> I know what the holiday season is like, and, and you're going, how am I going to afford all, all of the, the gifts and the presents for my friends and my family and for my kids? How, how can I keep this all together? i got to prepare a turkey, and then i got to prepare a ham, and, and somehow I've got to have the whole house clean. And, and uh, I went, uh, I went to, to find all the sales on Black Friday, and I'm, just, I'm going out of my, any Black Friday shoppers in here? Dude, you guys are my heroes. You guys are insane. But I'm trying to keep this whole thing together, and, or maybe it's something a, a little bit... Uh, more intense for you this, this holiday season. You're going, my family life is a mess. I am just, I'm going through it. My marriage is, uh, it's rough. My kids are, they're, they're just they're rebellious and, and I don't know how to get a hold of them. My time at work, man, I just, I feel like I'm on such a short leash and I feel like uh, my boss is just always down my throat. I feel like I can't ever do anything right. I, I just feel like, man, I'm backed into this corner and I feel like that there is this just persisting problem. I love what scripture says. David goes into it and he says, uh, uh, or the scripture says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. How in the world could David find strength? In the moment where his wife and his sons and his daughters had been taken captive, his very men want to stone him this parcel of land that he had been given, how in the world could David find strength in the Lord? I'm glad that you asked. Let's continue reading. Verse eight says this, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? And God answers, I'd expect nothing less. <clears throat> pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men that came with him uh, to the Bezer Ravine, um, excuse me, David and the 600 men with him came to the Bezer Ravine where some stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine, but David and 400 men continued the pursuit. The second thing that you need to understand in this thing of cause and effect is uh, it's the second fill in, in the back of your bulletin, but uh, there is this assurance of success. Now, David, here he was, uh, this horrible thing has happened. Uh, his, again, his village has been burned. His family's been carried away. His treasure is no more. And here he is with 600 men, 200 of which have cried themselves into a place where they can't even fight. The other 400 men are there with him. But how in the world could he have found strength in that moment? I take a look at David's life and I, I flip back a couple of chapters when he was just but a shepherd boy, where he worked in the fields with his father and he was there uh, day in and day out and he was just tending to sheep. Now, I don't understand a whole lot about shepherding. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of background there. Uh, but what I do know is there's a lot of downtime. There is a whole lot of just twiddling your thumbs, skipping stones, just hanging out. Because well, what do sheep do? They just sit there and they eat, and then you put them in a pen at the end of the day, I think. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't done a whole, you know, um, background check on, on uh, shepherding. But pretty much, you know, the, 
They're sheep. You shave them, they grow back, you feed them, and then, you know what I mean? That's, that's the shepherding gig. But I think what David learned in his moments of being in the, in, in the pastures with the sheep and, and just being there is David had a lot of time on his hands and David understood how important it was to, to have time to reflect and to think and to stop and to be patient. See, you and I would have gone into almost a reactivary uh, kind of mode when we found out that our sons and our daughters had been taken away. I think you and I, inside of our own humanness, um would have gone just immediately with our 600 men, marched into whoever, and would have just started throwing some blows. I mean, you come home and your son or daughter has been taken, dude, you are arming yourself. You're getting four of your largest friends and you're going after whoever took from you what belonged to you. But not David. David took a moment to pause. Scripture says he went and he prayed to God. He stopped. He wasn't reactive, he was proactive. He didn't just go off of a whim, but he went to the Lord and he said, God, what do I do? What do I do? How many of us in this room are, are kind of, we've got this persisting problem in our life right now, and, and instead of going to God and, and saying, God, what do I do? Should I pursue this? Should I go left or should I go right? Should, should I seek counseling? Or, or God, do I just need to work inside of my own uh, self to, to make this marriage work? God, do I, do I need to discipline my kids a little bit more? Or, or God, do I, do I need to stop jumping down their throat? God, do I need to go and, and, and talk to my boss and, and kind of level with him? Or, or Lord, do I just... I need a lesson in patience. How many of us go to God and and ask what we should do as opposed to just rushing in and and thinking and doing what what we should do? I know a lot of times, man, I I can just, I find myself rushing in and, and, and not taking the time to pause and go, God, what should I do? I'm sure that all of you this morning or some of you are, are looking and going, uh-oh, what do you know about hardship, preacher boy? You're 23 years old with your little jacket and your pointy shoes. What could you, what could you possibly know about trial and hardship? Man, I remember, well, it'll be 12 months on the 14th of December, God calling me to do one of the hardest things that I had ever done in my life. I remember being in, uh, in Texas one of the greatest states in these United States. <laughs> Though I find Wisconsin is closely rivaling it. I'm, I'm loving this place. I'm loving this place. I remember being there and I remember my life being completely turned upside down. And in the midst of that, I, I remember God kind of adding to that and going, and not only is your life turned upside down, but I'm gonna call you to a place called Germantown. And I said, God, is that in the US? said, I want you to go. So I packed up my little Xterra. I moved away from friends, family, a church, a girlfriend of a couple of years, moved away, packed up the little belongings that I had, moved here, flat broke. I'll just be honest with you. I was, you know, 22 years old, didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank. And God said, just go. So I went. I, man, sometimes I would wake up and I go, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm half of, of some of these people's age and, and, and I'm trying to tell them what we should be doing. 
I'm barely older than some of the kids that, that I've got on a Wednesday night. But God, this is hard. And in the midst of it, Lord, there's this white stuff that falls from the sky and I don't know what to do with it. Is this the end of the world or is this? But I mean, but seriously, I was just, I was going, God, this is, this is hard. And a lot of times I have a tendency to jump into things and then I get into it and then I look around and I go, oh man, oh yeah, this is, and it happened that way again too. I, I just, I jumped into it, said, God, let's do this. And I got here and I was, God, this is, this is hard. But there was an assurance that came with it. There was an assurance of, of victory and success there. There was, there was an assurance that God was in it. There was a moment of pause and prayer where I said, God, is, is this what you want? Are you sure? Because Texas is a big state and there's a lot of people who need Jesus here. I could go anywhere, right in here. God said, no, go. I said, okay. Fell in love with the people here. Fell in love with the church here. Couldn't walk away. Couldn't say no. Had to say yes. There was an assurance of success uh, when I walked into this place. Because I had stopped, I had prayed, I had, I had allowed God to say, go. I'll, I'll allow you to overtake that circumstance, that situation. I'll, I'm for you. Nothing can be against you. See, we've, we've got we've to be in a place where we're, where we're proactive, not just reactive. In that moment of prayer, I believe that there was, man, there was such a instantaneous thing of, of faith that began to well up inside of David. I believe that. Because as he began to go to God and he began to pray, I believe that he began to remember the things that God had brought him through. Just a few chapters prior, you see this little boy, a shepherd boy, defeat this Philistine called Goliath who stood twice as high as he did who was twice as strong as he was, who defied the, the armies of Israel, who uh, not a single soldier uh, would go and, and face, but David walked up with a sling and a couple of stones and the assurance of victory in the midst of his persisting problem. And God said, go, I'll give you victory. Some of us need to stand in that uh, this morning. Some of us need to stand in the fact that God is for us and nothing can be against us. We need to stop blaming God for the problems that coming, uh, are coming into our life and start believing him for the victory. The last thing, number three, you see there in your notes is the unleashing of God's power. Let's read on. Verse 16, it says this. David and his men had actually just met up with, um, with a servant from the armies that, that, uh, that had just come and pillaged. And it says this. He led David down. And there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, revealing because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistine, uh, from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the day, and none, uh, none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead 
of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. Okay, so I hear you talking about this persisting problem in my life, and, and I hear you saying that there is an assurance of, of victory, but oh, oh, what are your words, what, what are you trying to say here? Understand this, that there is some good old-fashioned, foot-stomping, Joel Olstein spout where the glory comes out, blessing and prosperity that God wants to bring your way. Understand that God isn't just looking to bring you through a circumstance, but as scripture says, David recovered everything. He lacked nothing. I think a lot of times your uh, faith and my faith reaches only to the point where we go, God's going to get me through this. That's not how God works. God works in such a way where he doesn't desire just to bring you through it, but uh, he, he... he loves to work in such a way where he can give you back everything that you lost and everything that you lacked. There was a story in the Bible, you may have heard of him, his name is Job, a guy who lost everything, who was at the end of his rope, and, 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 and what did God do? Not only gave it back, but blessed a hundredfold. God desires to move in that sort of way. Why? Because he gets glory that way. Who wants to serve a God that just kind of gets you through? I want to serve the kind of God that gets me through and blesses me on top of it. Who I, I can provide or I can put my trust in. And at the end of the day, I know that God's got my back. He is for me and nothing can be against me. That no weapon formed against me would prosper. That no situation or circumstance or hardship that I'm currently going through, no persisting problem that I find myself facing is going to come against me. That God isn't just going to bring me through, but at the end of it is going to give me back that which I lack. He's going to bless me. He's going to provide for me, and it's going to prosper me. That's the kind of God that I serve, and that's the kind of God that David believed in that day. Understand that God, ugh, for whatever reason, our senses become so heightened during the holiday season as to God's blessings. Let me tell you, he doesn't just bless during Thanksgiving and Christmas. He's the same God all year round. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. He doesn't change. God is steadfast and faithful. Just because there's gifts under the tree and for whatever reason you finally got that, uh, that set of golf clubs that you were hoping God for uh, this year that you were believing God to, to, to bless you with, he didn't just provide for you in that time. The very fact that you're sitting here breathing air counted a gift from God. The fact that you even have children, although they make you want to pull out your hair sometimes. Guys, I love you. Even though they make you want to pull out your hair sometimes, they are a gift from God. You got a spouse, gift from God. You got a job, gift from God. Bible says everything good and perfect comes from the Lord. So you're going through it. Man, I just... I feel like my back's up against the wall, Elisha. I'll be honest with you. And I don't know that I have the strength to get through it. I don't know that, that I can even pick myself up and, and keep going and, and, and keep fighting. I've been through it, and man, I just feel beat up and, and completely just weary. Look at David this morning. You go, yeah, but David, David wasn't living, David's not living my life. No, he's not. <laughs> but I'd venture to say that David had a little bit harder here. <laughs> this morning, 
I just want to convey to you that there is strength, man. There is blessing, that there is prosperity. That God's effect is greater than the cause in your life. See, cause and effect is all about something, an event taking place and the result of. And you have an option. Either you can take up uh, the own effect that some, somehow you can contrive and somehow in your own strength you can go and, and provide as this cause has, has made its way into your life. Or, or you can unleash God's power and you can allow God's effect to come in and overtake your cause. In my weakness, you were made strong. And there's blessing and there is prosperity. But inside of this as well, there's, there's an element, and I save this till the end, but there's an element of you getting up and doing. See, David didn't just pray and, and wait for God to come and, and do his thing. David didn't just pray and go, okay, God, trust in you. You've got it. I'm just going to sit back and kind of um, let you just do. God said, David, get up and go overtake them. You have to, I desire to do a miracle through you. I desire to use you the same way that I used you when you overcame the giant Goliath. I desire to use you again. I desire to allow my power, my, my, my grace, my mercy, my love to flow through you. In the same way, you are responsible this morning. You are responsible this morning to move from the cause that you're in to the effect that God wants to place in your life. It's not as simple as you going home, throwing up a prayer, reading some scripture, and then that's it. You have some responsibility here. As, as David took that moment and he paused and he prayed and he said, God, what do I do? And then God responded and said, this is what you do, David. In the same way as you begin to pray to God and say, God, what do I do? And God says, this is what you do. You have a responsibility to go and do that. You're not let off the hook here this morning. You don't, you don't get a, 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 you know, a free pass. You go, oh, but why? I don't know. That's just the way that it is. You have a responsibility here this morning. I've been talking to our students the last couple of weeks. We're in a brand new series called Extraordinary, and, and I've been talking to them about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. In fact, we took a look at, uh, at David's life, but I've been challenging them to activate their faith and go out and step out in faith to do things to exercise their faith. It's like a muscle. You got you to gotta work it out for it to get stronger. And, and we as a youth group have um, taken on an initiative to raise $10,000 in 30 days. In fact, I had a couple of students last, uh, last night, uh, you might have, some of you might have known this, but uh, they, they said, we want to raise money in a very uh, strategic way. I said, well, what's your way? How do you want to do it? They said, we want to cam camp out on people's lawns. I said, camp out? They said, yeah, like with uh, like a grill and a couple of tents, and we'll just drive a truck right in there, and we'll just camp out on people's lawns. I go, well, how are you going to raise money? We want uh, people to pay us to leave. <laughs> awesome. They're like, they're like that, that's, that's not it. We then want them to pay us to go to somebody else's house and do it to them. <laughs> These guys raised over $500 yesterday just camping out in people's lawns. Yeah, you can clap for that. 
six guys who wanted to exercise their faith get up and go and do. They took a moment to pause, I hope, pray, um, reflect, go, how can we make a global impact? How can we exercise our faith? How, how can we raise money for this thing called Speed the Light? And, and they went and did. Sometimes what you got to do is crazy. I'm just, it is sometimes. I'm not empowering you to do crazy things. In fact, I'd like to get that on film. I'm not empowering people to do crazy things. But what I am saying is sometimes what, you, uh, what God's going to call you to do is maybe outside of yourself a little bit. It's to sit down and have a real conversation with your son and daughter and go, hey, what's the deal? Maybe to sit down with the husband or the wife and go, hey, I know that things are just bad. What can we do? To walk into the boss's office and just go, I realize that something's going on. Let's talk about it. See, there's a responsibility. God wants to bless you like crazy. God wants to prosper you immensely. He does. Scripture says it time and time again, and he does it time and time again in Scripture. In this holiday season, man, as you see cause and effect ebb and flow in your family, in your relationship with Christ, and in the things uh, that are going on in your world, maybe it's even more hard-pressed for you than that. Maybe it's an addiction that you're struggling with. Maybe it's uh, that secret sin that you're dealing with that nobody knows anything about. And you see this cause coming into your life, and the effect is you're beginning to be pulled away from family or friends or, or, or even from God. You, you feel just this distance from, from life in general. And maybe you're a Christ follower here this morning, or maybe you're not, but the truth remains the same, that God's effect is greater than your cause. I want to pray with you guys this morning, and, and as I do, those of you in this place that, man, you're going through it right now, and you're hard-pressed, and it hurts, and you're uncomfortable, you feel like your back is against the wall, you feel a little bit like David and Ziklag, your stuff has been burned, and your family's been carried off. And you're just going, God, what do I do? As I begin to pray, would you just kind of whisper your own little prayer to God? Say, God, I need your help. And Lord, I'm going to be responsive in faith. And whatever you call me to do, I will do. Just a few small words. Start there. And I'm going to pray that God would begin to reveal some things to you. Let's pray. Father.